This program is brought to you by P1 Australia Racing Components, the designer of the oil heat mats for dry sump tank applications. Find out more about the truths on engine oil heating at p1australia.com. You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. Join Andrew Clark. We've paused a fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending mega bucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them. Thunder Media. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. On this edition of Inside Supercars, we look at Dunlop Super 2 champion Declan Fraser and the lady that was steering his ship, Jess Dane from Triple Eight Race Engineering. And whilst she's been working as a co-owner this year, Next year could be a difficult one for her as she looks to finish her law degree. I haven't quite worked out how it's going to work. It will involve me doing two days a week in a legal department elsewhere for, um, for almost the, the full year. We also look at Gen 3 and its development. We speak on the Ford side to Perry Kappa and on the Chevrolet side to Jeremy Moore, who provided us with a guide to how Chevrolet wanted their Gen 3 car designed. Their directive is to make the car like a tough street car. So the actual rules for the Gen 3 changed early in the piece where it was more like a, a road car with some wheel arches bolted on to then morph to, no, we actually want to have a car that looks like a tough street car. Super 2 and Gen 3, it's all coming up on Inside Supercars today and it starts now. Welcome to Inside Supercars, Tony Whitlock and Craig Ravel. It was a, a marvellous and amazing weekend in Adelaide and one I'm sure that you'll remember for many years to come. Indeed, if it wasn't for the fact that my memory is shot and I can't even remember the time I got up the following morning to fly out. Be that as it may, today we've got some great interviews. We've got Jess Dane, Declan Fraser we hear from following his success. We'll also here, JJ for the Camaro side of Gen 3 and Perry Kappa for the Mustang side of Gen 3. And Tony, I know you have been doing a lot of work, but I think we do need to say there's what's being said publicly that you're going to hear in these interviews. And there's definitely what's being said by a lot of other people, which is perhaps not contrary to what you're going to hear, but certainly is saying we have got a very expensive, what is it, four months on our hands, and they are concerned that there's not enough time, considering there's not enough parts available as we sit here speaking. Well, the amazing thing was this, and this has been a project to get both of these men who I both know well, uh, in the case of Jeremy, I've known him back to the, his days with Mark Larkham, and um, they're great men, and they both have been living Gen 3 
for you know two two and a half years, um, and they've both been the project leaders for the respective homologation teams. And it's just interesting to get that insight into something that has been missing in all the descriptions of the way in which these cars were developed. And I'm certainly very glad to have got them on board. You mentioned Declan Fraser. He won the championship. He came down to the last race meeting and he did it in emphatic style. He took race wins and really put an exclamation point on his season. Uh, yeah, I worked a lot uh, on my mental state actually leading into this weekend. Um, had a bit of a secret weapon, I guess you could call, leading into it. So uh, for me, it was just, yeah, I had a completely different mindset coming into here that I've had in the whole season. And I think it showed through our qualifying, how we had our nerve and that first race. And that last race, man, that was intense. It was, um, yeah, I had a lot of carnage behind and in front and got taken out a few times. But yeah, we came away with the win in both races, both qualifyings and a championship. So couldn't be better. He certainly did. And uh, Declan is a young man who, I got the impression that uh, he's not in a mad hurry to get to the main game. He realises there wasn't a seat available. Um, with Cameron Hill going up and Matt Payne as well from Super 2 means that we're going to again have a championship-winning rookie from Super 2, uh, not in the series, but the runner-up there. Uh, it'll be a terrific series. And next year, I think Super 2 will be as uh, strong again. Interestingly, the Super 3 winner, uh, an interesting record for Michael Anderson's owned uh, Falcon, which is the very first car Brad Vaughan drove to the Super 3 Championship. First car that's won both Super 2 and Super 3 titles. Uh, quite an extraordinary achievement for, for that team. Well, just in an interesting year for you and your team. How do you sum up what you've achieved this year? I think by saying that there aren't enough thank yous to everyone um, in my vocabulary. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been it's been a massive year. It could have gone either way, really, with the number of changes that we had for the start of the year. Um, just how much we did, how much change we did have internally, and I think to have held it together as well as we have in the Red Bull Ampol Racing team, and then same with Super Two, and to have come so far with GT as well. It's a massive team effort and to have expanded our manufacturing and all the all the stuff that people don't see in the background, to have expanded that and made that stronger and more diverse. Credit to the team and what's been a, a massive year. The results make it look easy, but it's been far from that. You have changed the management structure and we've spoke to Quinny, we've heard from Jamie, but how have you seen that transition of how the, the organisation runs? Or perhaps the ideas of the three people who are now at the top end? It's been really, I mean, I can't really talk about the ideas of the of the three people at the top end because Quinny really just kind of sits back and he. it was really good hearing him about, you know, this time last year saying, it's so nice to come into a company that we don't have to fix. And <laughs> yeah, good, good. That, that's a good thing to hear. Um, but yeah, Quinny sits back and lets us do do our thing really which is win rate he always says the most important thing for this team is winning races and god we've we've certainly done that this year but not having rd there this year has been an opportunity for other people within the team to really step up and take ownership of things that of course they've been involved in before but really grasp and turn make make their own um and i think that that seeing those people rise to those opportunities and those challenges has been it's just been inspiring 
Were you surprised that he was able to let go as apparently easily as uh, he has? Not surprised at all, because people forget that he hasn't actually been in the supercars paddock much over the last few years. Certainly, we've seen him for years before COVID, he stopped wearing a headset, he stopped going to debriefs, he stopped trying, he stopped kind of engineering every facet of the rebel Holden Racing Team, Rebel Amparate, whatever the iteration it was at the time, he stopped engineering every facet of that team a long time ago. And then, especially during COVID when he couldn't go racing anymore, that made him take even more of a step back. He still does the bits that he enjoys. He's particularly fond of GT racing these days and he's still involved with that because he's an important person for that relationship. And it's really good to see him going to those races and just being able to do the bits that he enjoys and do it because he loves it, not because he feels like he is pressured into doing that or whatever and also seeing him do the wild card at Bathurst this year um, as much as he said he didn't want to do it he loved it he loved being back in that hot seat and being the person steering that ship um, so no 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 I'm not surprised at all that he's transitioned into it easily because he was ready to do it what about you were you ready for your movement and your responsibility if I look back on the year, I can't kind of identify what that is. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, sometimes I get to the end of the day and don't actually, can't work out what my job involves because it's, it started with doing an employment contract and by morning, um, by mid-morning I've placed an order for new driver suits and by lunchtime I've done a tyre order for Super 2 and then by the end of the day I've organised a test day for Wildcard or whatever. So it's been... Yeah, it's been a very varied year, um, but that's what makes it so much fun. That's why I really love being in this team and being in this sport because there's lots of room for me to diversify and I get I get itchy feet quite quickly, which is why I do things like law degrees in my spare time. <laughs> have you finished that now? I have finished my law degree, yes. I finished in, um, I graduated in July, um, apparently. I think I got my certificate and I didn't go to my graduation. Um, but I'll be starting my practical legal training in January. So you haven't set the bar exams and any of those no you only need to sit the bar in Queensland if you want to be a barrister so different we, we run a split um, split legal profession in Queensland which means you're either a solicitor or a barrister um, so once I've got my practical legal training under my belt and that will take the best part of a year um, then I will have my practicing certificate so how do you get that and still run triple eight does triple eight race engineering have enough of that work to be able to tick off the requirements or are you going to be taking a sabbatical off into some sort of you know Hogwarts and, <laughs> and Harvester or something a legal firm in Brisbane I haven't quite worked out how it's going to work it will involve me doing two days a week in a legal department elsewhere for um, for almost the, the full year starts with like a week's intensive um, online lectures and then goes into all work experience and then weekly assignments for for almost a year so yeah it will be intense but i dive into things and then work out how to manage them afterwards and one thing that everyone has to manage is a, a new car which you guys have been working furiously on trying to get it done yeah gen 3 is going to be a big game changer i think there'll be a few people at triple eight race engineering who won't be getting too much of a break over christmas and new year because it is such an enormous undertaking to get it on track next year but we always love a challenge somebody asked me over the weekend well what if it's not ready i said mate this is motor racing there's no such thing it's not ready you have you have to be ready you have to get on track at newcastle 
And um, yeah, really excited for that. We've never been ones to shy away from a challenge, but that first test day that, um, that we'll have next year when all the Queensland teams hit Queensland Raceway, it'll be, it'll be phenomenal seeing all those cars roll out. And it won't be smooth sailing, never is. We, we went through this with Car of the Future. I remember standing here at Adelaide in 2013, seeing half the drivers with ice packs on their feet because of you know, this, that and the other, because you know, overheating and, and all the other problems that Car of the Future threw at us. But this is a totally different kettle of fish. This is an even bigger overhaul than Car of the Future. So um, yeah, I'm excited to see what Newcastle will bring. And also I can't wait to get over that hurdle or that or that milestone because it will be a massive relief for every single person at AAA to, who's worked so hard on this project. And I know one thing you're particularly proud of because even after a championship win in the main game, a brand new rookie driver taking a win from your team, you're still wearing your Declan Fraser <laughs> Super 2 Championship t-shirt. I am, yes. I, um, I looked down, I thought everyone was wearing them and I looked down and said, why am I the only one wearing them? And they all said, well, we didn't want to get them dirty. And I was like, oh, well, mine's filthy now. I've been doing pack, pack up in it or I've done, done Super 2 pack up and main game pack up wearing it. But I'm very, very proud. Um, I, I honestly feel like I've never met a more deserving driver in his position. He just took the opportunity and ran with it he's funded his own way to every main game race this year that he hasn't been racing at he's sat in every debrief pre-brief when even when he hasn't been racing he's come to every test day um for for the main series and just and even with the gt team he's tried to involve himself as much as he can with that as well just to soak up this opportunity around him and you can tell you can tell the kids who do that because it comes out in their results and something really clicked for him coming into this last round. Um, he says it's a secret weapon, so I won't reveal it. Um, but yeah, something something clicked for him, and he he just strung together a perfect weekend when it mattered the most. And you don't get more deserving than that. I know you like a big picture question. So the Adelaide 500 back on the championship. I personally think this race must have ticked all the KPIs they had to set, and probably even ones that they didn't even think they'd get to. What's your impression of that? I love that the Premier got the loudest cheer on the podium. <laughs> that was mega. Um, it's This event has just been phenomenal. Being based over at Super 2, I've done the walk between the Super 2 paddock all the way around the circuit far too many times a day. I dread to think what my step count is at over this week. Um, but walking through, the, walking through the crowd, seeing all the activations, seeing the the diversity of fans out there it's been really really special to have this event back and to have it received so well i haven't had a bad word i haven't heard a bad word about this event and everything from the activations out in the main fan area to how good the corporate suites look around the place it's they've done a fantastic job and i hope that we keep up at this standard and get even better in years to come and the forgotten man of triple eight super two cam hill can you talk us a little bit about him he had, a, he had a really good year. I mean, considering he was a rookie, he came and he was fast off the bat. Um, we knew that he was going to be quick as well because he's got so much talent. Really good to see him step into main game next year because, um, yeah, he is, he is very quick. Um, he's worked hard. He's got on with his engineer so well. That's been a really good relationship to see grow over the course of this year. It's just such a shame for it to end the way it did with hitting the wall at turn eight. But he's he's fine. He's physically fine. He's just he's crushed. Um, yeah, emotionally crushed to have finished that way. And so are we. It was a very sad way to end the year. But 
he's been a fantastic teammate to Declan and been a been a great supporter of everything that Triple Eight has done. And and we some at times probably could have done better for him, but you can always do more. I'm a big believer in saying you can even when you're at your limit, you can always do more. And yeah, there were times when we could have done a better job for him. Um, but I think it the end of the day if he can look back at his results and go well I made the most of every opportunity then we ticked a box for him. Well Justine it's a pleasure to catch up with you again and we hope you do get some sort of Christmas break. <laughs> Thank you yeah a couple of weeks in New Zealand so looking forward to kicking back and unwinding and probably picking up a few more scars on the motocross track. So from Triple Eight success in the main game and Dunlop Super 2 we turn our attention now to the next invention in supercars, and that is, of course, Gen 3. And what two better people to speak to about it than Jeremy Moore for the Chevrolet and Perry Capper for the Ford Mustang. I'm with Jeremy Moore, who's design engineer at Triple Eight Engineering, and he's been on Gen 3 projects since he came back, virtually since he came back to the team, having spent a little bit of time going off and doing some other things. Exactly, having a holiday over in, uh, in Europe somewhere. Absolutely, yes. Just spending time in southern France, you know, yes. sort of thing. Oh, this is a nice place. Why should you put a race on here? Yes, anyway. <laughs> Jeremy, um, I wanted to talk to you specifically and have done for some time about the Gen 3 Camaro. Yes. It's a, a different project than we've seen here in the past. There were some amazing parameters drawn up on what was expected and what was going to be done and all these sort of things. But what I wanted to do was try and get to a point finding out what, as a company, General Motors instilled in you as to what they wanted from the way of the car, the concept as their Gen 3 car for Australian motor racing. Absolutely, so it was a bit of a, a, um, a collaborative process, so it wasn't me just uh, bolting onto wheel arches, nor was it uh, the GM saying this is how it's got to look, so uh, we gave them the, the overall wheelbase, track width, um, wheel arch positions, um, that needs to, to fit the supercars model um, and worked with the styling uh, team over in, in GM USA to work out um, yeah what the best what the best uh, car would look like their their um, their directive is to make the car like a tough street car so the actual rules for the gen 3 changed early in the piece where it was more um, like a, a you know a road car with some wheel arches bolted on to then morph to, no, we actually want to have a car that looks like a tough street car. So it, uh, going back and forth, GM USA, um, we worked really heavily with them just to make sure that it looked exactly like the road car. You, can, you can't really tell much difference between where the wheels are. The wheel arch in the rear is slightly different because the wheelbase isn't exactly the same as a, as a Camaro, nor is it the same as a Mustang. It's halfway between the two wheelbases, but you wouldn't oh, be so able to tell that. there was a compromise built in. Yes, right, exactly. Okay. It's met, met in the middle, so 28-11 versus 27-20 was the two wheelbases, so we met in half, 27-65 and a half. Um, and you wouldn't know because what how that was adapted was not like the current car where you chop the, the door in half and move it forward. We just actually moved the rear wheel position in the rear wheel arch and the, the, the wheel arch moved forward and backwards slightly. So you, you, you can't tell that. You put the two cars side by side and you wouldn't tell. But because also we've um, increased the, the width of the wheel arches, so um, you certainly can't tell the difference between the road car and it actually looks better because the wheel arches are nice and, and fat and, and okay. tough. So the directive was just to make it look like a Camaro on steroids. It's uh, okay. already a pretty aggressive looking car to start with, um, but we, I believe we achieved that. So it was a bit of a collaborative between the styling guys and us here. So for sure we weren't, uh, 
we, we weren't trying to get the most uh, aerodynamically efficient race car. It wasn't uh, a car which was designed in the wind tunnel. Not at all. It was a car which was designed by the styling group to make it like a, a really cool looking race car and relying on uh, the safety of supercars to come up with uh, balancing the two cars, right. uh, which is probably where it differentiates a bit between the two concepts of, of the cars. We're, we're, uh, we're purely focusing on having an awesome looking race car um, and the Ford have still done some uh, aero development to, to make it a fast one. So relying on the CFD from supercars and the, and the process to make it equal, which we believe it's, it's come out pretty good. Given that the evolution of race cars is something, you know, doesn't happen that often, and particularly this has been a very long drawn out process for a bunch of different reasons, quite apart from COVID. Um, how long do you think this body shape, as it, you'll be racing at Newcastle, how long do you think it'll stay in the series? At least two years, um, I, I would say. Generally, we'd like to live a normal cycle of, of, of a model that we see here, two, three, maybe four years at the most. Right. Um, I think that's pretty reasonable. Um, we haven't heard anything from GM saying this is what we're going to do in the future. So we're happy that we can race this car um, yeah, for at least two years and, uh, and then think about what we're doing after that. Okay. Putting aside things, um, okay, let's talk electric for a second. Was that ever a consideration that you should be having that electric version of it down the road sort of thing? There was certainly package protected for a hybrid element in the Gen 3 car. So uh, that's one of the reasons why the floor above the driver's uh, feet was raised, to have the exhaust on one side and potentially a battery on the other side to package protect for a hybrid. For uh, um, Obviously, we down at Supercars, we, we, we know we're in, we're in entertainment business. We're not right. necessarily trying to push the develop, development of a road car. That's certainly not our yeah. point of difference. So we knew that uh, if it added value to the racing series, as well as, um, you know, um, showed the green aspect of the hybrid, um, we would incorporate it in the car. So there's room for it. Um, it's on the radar in the future if, if, it's, if it's needed. Um, but absolutely, I think there's, a, there's a, a bridge between full electric in the long term future. Uh, yeah, it's, it's above my pay grade in terms of when we're going to that one. I, I actually was just, just recently uh, had um, my road car, uh, the Volkswagen Tiguan, was written off because of elements here. Uh, nothing I did, but something on the road I ran over, I couldn't help it. Yeah. But suddenly, for the first time, my girlfriend said to me, Had you thought of it going electric? No, I hadn't. Oh, so that's now something I'm considering. Yeah. I never thought I would be, but you know, it's yeah. something certain consideration. Um, I understand that, that there's one final element which is a steering rack or, or the, the production version of it you've got to test, that's a one final test yep. which is in about a week's time um, and other than that then it's the sign off and, and off you go sort of thing. Absolutely and that's, that's, uh, that doesn't influence anything else really. Because that's, that's a bolt on. That's a bolt on so the car's already designed, um, we're, everything that we need the car to run is in manufacture now in terms of the Camaro side, all the body panels, all the, the engine. Uh, of course the transmission's the same, wishbones, everything, everything's on its way. Yep. So we're fully anticipating hitting the January 30 target with two cars. Um, so we're, we're looking forward to, to getting there, but yeah, full confidence that the new steering rack will do what it's required. Um, we, the company's got a good heritage, Sportsec have done that. So uh, it's, we've actually seen the part, we'll bolt it on the prototypes uh, when it gets back and make sure it's, uh, it's doing what it should. Is, is that a driver load thing or what, what, what's the aspect of this new one? So it was why we changed from the previous packaging. So 
we've gone through three iterations of, of front end basically and two different front suspensions um, just with changing um, direction uh, and, and feedback from the teams. Yep. So now to package where what we wanted to do with the steering rack, uh, mainly because we wanted to decouple the camber and toe. So when you change the camber, you don't need to adjust the toe like Could a GT you. car, vice yep. versa. So to do that, we needed a bespoke rack. Uh, the prototypes now have a, a rack that we've we just designed and made in Triple Eight as an interim rack, um, but this is the production version of that, basically. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Jeremy. Um, when um, the series rolls into Newcastle, I mean, you've already had at least one, maybe more test days. Um, what role will you then fall back? Do you go back into a design engineer role there, or? Um, um, well, TD. So it's like I do on the on the race deck now. I um, I lead the engineers to make sure that they you know the setups in the cars are how it should be. Uh, we're working together as a team between the two cars. Uh, I have a big input in race strategy, just general running of the, the racing team instead of designing a, a, a car, which has consumed my life for two and a half years. <laughs> Yes, say hello to your kids for Christmas. Exactly, they'll yeah. get reacquainted to me, this is good. <laughs> All right, thank you very much, Jeremy Moore. Uh, wonderful to hear about uh, Triple H's version of the homologation process and uh, look forward to catching up at Newcastle. No problem, thank you. I'm with Perry Kappa, who is design engineer for DJR, homologation team for Gen 3. It's uh, Adelaide 500, the race 34 of the 2022 season's ended. And you've got to one stage of Gen 3 and now you've got the next stage. Yeah, that's right. We've um, it's been a big couple of years, but uh, let alone this year. But um, yeah, you're right. We've gotten through the first stage, which is um, pretty much prototype testing done. Uh, it's looking like we'll do one more test day. Um, is that to steering? Is it on the twelfth? Uh, yeah. Yep. We'll be testing the production rack at yep. that test day. Um, yeah, and then after that, it's pretty much um, straight into building our own cars. So. Uh, yeah, we shift our focus to uh, building and going racing. Okay. Now, initially, you're building two cars for yourselves. That's right. Um, and then, eventually, you'll have a, a third one built as a spare. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll probably have our third built, sort of second quarter, I'd say. Okay. So, right. hopefully before mid-year. Yep. That's okay. the aim, anyway. All right. And yep. now, you've been with DJR for about five years now? Yeah, that's right. Yep. yep. Okay. Um, in this guise now, you've been... Uh, move from being a race engineer to a design engineer yeah. to, to champion the project through. Yeah, so I started with DJR um, in 2017 and uh, took on the role of chief designer, which I've been doing ever since. So I, I actually never race engineered with DJR, oh, okay. um, but uh, came on 2017 and um, as part of uh, spending 2018 to do the Gen 2 Mustang that we and then the finished moves. racing. Yeah, so we did we did um, the Gen 2 car that we've just finished racing, so we've sent that car off this weekend, yep. gave it a, a send-off. We, we hoped for more, but we got a podium, which is great to finish it off. And um, and then a couple of years hiatus, and then been working on Gen 3 for the last two years. Okay. Now, this conversation I've been trying to have for some considerable time, and I understand your work constraints <laughs> and busy. Yeah. yeah. But what I wanted to get to was... Um, and the Ford Motor Company, Ben Nightingale is unfortunately not here, but what I want to get to was sort of your concept ideas on, you know, the way in which you were going to design the Gen 3 car. Yeah, so our, I guess our predominant focus as the homologation team for Ford is body adaptation. So uh, while we've been along the journey of Gen 3, we have not got involved in chassis design. 
Um, we've, we've obviously given feedback where the chassis design influenced our body and those things have been taken on board where they could. Um, but a predominant focus for us was, yeah, body design and body adaptation. Okay. Yeah. Now, there was a big hue and cry when the current car um, first came out. People said, oh, it's bastardised, it's this, that and the other thing. It looked slightly different. Not dramatically, but slightly. <laughs> the characteristics of Mustang were there. Yeah, yeah. But that was what Ford wanted to do was with the new car to keep it. Absolutely. Yeah, it was very important. Um, and and that, that was right from the top from supercars. The, one of the key goals of Gen 3 is, is the um, keeping the DNA of the road car. Um, I think 70% of the road car surfaces are built into the Gen 3 car that we see. Um, obviously it was pretty, a really proud moment for us to debut the first 7th generation um, Mustang as a race car, having, um, having that just unveiled at, uh, at the Detroit Motor Show. Uh, only a matter of six weeks before yep. we uh, we took the car to Bathurst. So, yeah, it was uh, a hugely proud moment and the first one to be um, out there in public doing laps. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, so what what's your project now? Obviously, you said that you've got a final couple of uh, tests to do. Yeah. Queensland yep. Raceway? Yeah, Queensland Raceway on the 12th. And uh, I think after that... that 12th of that's, December? Yeah, 12th of December. So not far away. Um, after that, we'll be... Um, yeah, pretty much focused on, on just uh, the finishing touches. So I've still got a few things to design, believe it or not, um, to get in, in the car. And um, and then, yeah, we'll get those out to all the other four teams and then uh, that'll get incorporated into the final cars. And, yeah, we're into, into testing early next year. Okay. Um, but you'll retain your role as design engineer in the future at yeah. DJR? Yeah, that's that's the plan at this stage. So. Okay. Yep, yep. So no I, think, um, I think there'll be... Uh, as with anything new, there's while we've done a year of, of testing, there's always things that uh, need re revising and need need changes. So we'll we'll look to obviously I take those on um, over the the first six months of next year, and then um, yeah, we'll see what the future holds after that. Okay, um, I'll ask Ben Croak the question because obviously he's the team principal. He's the one who is the band really responsible. Yeah. But do you know these cars at this stage is a Super Two in their life? Uh, yeah, they're going. They're going into Super Two. They are. Yeah, definitely. Not, not yeah. with your team, though. No, um, I, I believe they're they're spoken for. So right. okay, I'll find yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Ben probably confirm that for you. But yeah. Um, yeah, they're they're definitely spoken for, and they'll be. I think the majority of the, the field is already spoken for, to be quite honest, and they're moving down to Super Two. So yeah, good right. to see them continue racing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and particularly to see that you know you still have the form on board. Because yeah, it's been an right. up and down season for the team, unfortunately. Yeah, it has a little bit. Yeah, yeah, ebbs, natural ebbs and flows. But um, yeah, it's still been a, a fantastic season for us. And, um, yeah, I mean, uh, didn't didn't get any of the, uh, the the global awards that we sort of typically hope to get, but we still had a lot of wins and podiums and um, and, and pole positions. Okay, and will you be at Newcastle to see your charges out there for the first time? I dare say I will, yeah. I'll, uh, yeah. I'll look forward Even to catching up with you there. That <laughs> sounds good, Tony. Thanks, Barry Kappa.
Now, Tony, we're talking about the new cars and certainly we're hoping that these new cars are a uh, step forward in their raceability. One thing that is going to change is we're going to have almost control parity engines. And it's been interesting to hear comments throughout the weekend that engines are going to be uh, handed out by supercars. You're not going to buy an engine and uh, then have it worked on uh, yourself to prepare it. So that's a, a very big change in the way supercars is going about its business. Yep, they're still still building both sides of the coin. I spoke to uh, Rob Herod and to uh, Ken McNamara, who's of course doing the uh, Chevy engine for the Camaros. And yes, it's a changing face. And the uh, end of the uh, engine men uh, who have been looking after the team, Pete Wallace, I spoke to at some length, and he's giving an insight into his changing world where, in fact, where the current cars will now go to the Super 2 Series for next year, and uh, which means also that's where Pete Wallace's new workplace will be in Super 2 land rather than the main game where the engines will be far more of the domain of supercars than they will of any engine builder and such. And it's just the changing phase of the category. And in many ways, that in itself is a great summary of the way in which the category is changing with, the, with this engine program, in that you know no longer is the domain of the teams, but it is now within the grasp and control of supercars in both the Chev and the Ford engines are both then a control item as such Yes, and we're going to speak to Peter Wallace on next week's show. And we look forward to having you join us again for next week's edition of Inside Supercars. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more. Or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. Join Andrew Clark. We've paused a fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending mega bucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them.